episode 62, Keith Ingalls, The Raymond Corporation. I was working at Toyota at the time. Uh, initially, I got to make this mistake a couple of times, actually. But I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth, and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes, links, and more, go to markgraben.com slash mistake62. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And now, on with the show. Our guest today is Keith Ingalls. He is with a company called uh, Raymond Corporation. He is a TPS manager. Now, for those who are aficionados of uh, the movie Office Space, this is not that TPS. Uh, it means Toyota Production System. So we'll have a chance to explore some of that today. But first off, Keith, thank you for being a guest here on the podcast. Thank you, Mark. appreciate the opportunity to be here. So before we talk about your favorite mistake and, and mistakes and, and, and corporate culture, it might be helpful for uh, the audience uh, for you to give a little bit introduction um, about Raymond, where you fit within uh, the corporate family tree and why Toyota production system is relevant to that. Sure. No, that's a great question, Mark. So uh, Toyota uh, has uh, the ownership of Raymond uh, Corporation today. Raymond's been around for many years and, and actually has a big impact in material handling. Uh, they actually patented the pallet. They also uh, put a uh, patent on the first narrow aisle uh, equipment for, for narrow space warehousing. And about 20 years ago, Toyota acquired Raymond. So Raymond was very fertile soil for innovation and quality. And blending with Toyota's thinking of Toyota production system, this is a way to kind of speed up that continuous improvement process. So Raymond was a really fertile soil for that, that, that sinking and that culture to take root. And so we took Toyota production system, we adapted it at our factory, and later we've been uh, working throughout our network of uh, uh, distribution and dealers, our solution and support centers, to embrace that same philosophy. And it's, it's, uh, it's yielded a lot of success for us. Yeah, and, and we've got a longer conversation uh, that Keith and I did in a podcast series of mine called Lean Blog Interviews, where we really take a, a real deep dive into uh, the Toyota production system and the work that they're doing at Raymond and how that's all transferable to other settings. So I'll make sure there's a link to that discussion uh, in the show notes for those who want to take that that deeper dive. That was a really good uh, conversation that we had about uh, about that. But since this is my favorite mistake, um, you know, Keith, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw it right back uh, to you. Thinking back to your career and the work you've done, what is your favorite mistake? One of the big ones uh, I made and kind of inspired me from our last conversation, I tell this story a lot. I was working at Toyota at the time. Uh, initially, I got to make this mistake a couple of times, actually. But mm. the first time, the biggest was uh, I had some continuous improvement knowledge, but I'd never been exposed to 5S. And 5S is a system, you know, that a lot of people hear about. And I got taught uh, 5S for the first time and uh, very excited about it. I got it as SIF sort, uh, sweep, standardized, and sustain. There's different ways to teach it, but I got very excited in the instruction. I thought, oh, this is great. This is housekeeping and organization. We're going to clean the place up. Totally makes sense. We're very excited. I go back to our service team and our sharp service team. 
We have large shops in our facilities where we bring in forklifts for service, big overhauls and, and mass work, heavy work. And our shop was a mess. It was not, it was not clean. So like, oh, we're going to apply 5S in the shop. So we taught 5S the crew. They go, oh, yeah, I'm going to clean this place up. It'll be great. So we got together. We, we took a week. And, and at the end of every day for several hours, we scrubbed, we cleaned. We have floor scrubbers. We elbow grease and cleaners. And, man, we, we, we cleaned it. And we, we thought we got rid of a lot of stuff because we kept emptying trash cans. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is great. Now, Mark, this might surprise you, but because we all worked in the shop together as a team, we all knew where everything went, went and belonged. So we, we didn't need any visual support. We were good. So we didn't put any visual in place because we all knew. We all knew where everything went. No need to mark, for example, where tools nope. or equipment would go as people might often do. No, we didn't, we didn't need to do that. Yeah. It wasn't necessary. It's a waste of time and effort. So we, we had this well in hand. Boy, that shop was clean and we were happy. So over the next few weeks, uh, uh, Mark, uh, we, a couple of things we started to learn. <laughs> One, we weren't the only people going in the shop. Mm-hmm. There were parts people coming in. There were field service people, sales people, all kinds of people coming in the shop. They didn't know where anything went. And they kept putting stuff and borrowing stuff and moving it and putting it in the wrong place. Like, oh, that was frustrating. Mm-hmm. The other thing we did, we realized um, we were busy. A lot of times was a good, we're busy. And I would walk out through the shop and talk to the team and hey, we're it's starting to get messy again. And I and I got this this response. Well, we're busy today, but we're gonna catch up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We'll catch up tomorrow. Oh, that sounded reasonable to me. For the next about a month, it sounded reasonable. <laughs> so now we're like two months past. Mark, I go walking in the shop and I'm looking around like, I can't tell we'd cleaned anything. Mm-hmm. This is not good. So we're trying to get deliver a good customer service here and we can't find tools and things. We got to fix this. All right, let's get to get back together as a team. What do we have to do? Ah, you know, we didn't mark anything or put any visual support. Yeah. I remember I'm talking about home location. What's that? Oh, okay. So we did a smart thing, which was painters tape and marker. And we started putting positions in. We didn't get too fancy at first because we didn't really know what we were doing. So we had a learning curve. We started marking things. The first thing that, that I observed that we learned as a team was if people borrowed something that weren't familiar with the shop, if they know where it goes, they'll put it back where they see it goes. Right. So I realized we, people weren't they, what we call disrespecting the area. They weren't disrespecting the area because they were trying to mess up our workspace. They were disrespecting it inadvertently because they didn't know where anything went and we hadn't showed them. So we did that. We also started putting more cleaning equipment around and we also uh, added a 5S Friday just to clean up. Now, I know that's not the way to do 5S to build that, but to build the habit, we would take an extra half hour planned every Friday for sure. So we, we were only getting at most a week behind before we'd start to make a, an impact or return. We also did another smart thing that um, was uh, sort of plan, but it would had a bigger impact than I, than I realized at the time was we had a service technician um, training roster that showed all the experience and all the special training every service tech had. Now, all techs are trained in the core equipment, but there's specialty equipment, odd stuff that we don't work on all the time, and not everybody's trained on it. So, but we had that visual up, and if you needed to know who was trained on something, you could go out and look at that and go, well, and you know who to ask for help or support. So that turned out pretty well. So we started uh, uh, sustaining, and then we started realizing this is going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. 
So that was pretty good learning. This this 5S stuff's maybe a little more than housekeeping. It starts to dawn on me. Yeah. So I move the clock ahead a few years, and, uh, and I'm a Raymond organization. I go into a shop facility and say, well, go ahead and walk our shop. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you think. So, Mark, I walk through the shop, and I'm looking around. I'm going, man, this looks like my shop when I was at Toyota. It's not great. <laughs> stuff everywhere. It's chaos. And uh, I talked to the management team and said, how would you like to clean this area up? Turns out that was a hot button for some of the managers. Mm. And some were saying, yeah, yeah, our, our field techs are really bad about coming in and it's a mess and they leave it a mess. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I had enough experience at this point, at least to say, we haven't set a standard or expectation. So think about this. They're coming into a messy shop. They do the work and they leave it a mess because that's what they came into. So there's nothing telling them that that's not okay. Right. So if you walk in sight unseen, it's a mess and that's okay. So Chris said, all right, that all makes sense. So, so as a group, and it was a big group, and they decided, well, let's get everybody together for a week. Like, this sounds familiar. It's like yeah. deja vu. Let's get everybody together for a week. We're going to clean up the whole shop. Right. Um, so I'm raising my hand. I'm like, I don't think that's going to work. Oh, yeah, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll. Just not my experience. Right. So sure enough, we clean up the whole shop. Mark, guess what we didn't do again? No visuals. Where did the tools go? No. No visuals. Well, everybody cleaned it up, so it's good. We <laughs> we all know, right? Same mindset of, oh, we all know. We all work. We here. all know. No. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we cleaned it up, and sure enough, it, it was the same stuff all over. We're, we're, we don't have the visual support. People are going through the shop, they're messing it up and sliding back again. But at least this time I could coach and start saying, all right, we're going to fix small areas, mm-hmm. small areas and make visuals and start to turn it around. And then when the techs got involved, we learned their workspace is important to them and they, they needed to lay it out themselves. So they needed some autonomy and they needed visual support. Now, first, there was a lot of pushback because they would say, I don't need visuals. I know where my tool goes. Okay. Do you ever loan that tool out? Well, sure. Okay. Do people try to bring it back? Yeah, but they always put it back in the wrong space. Hey, we can help you fix that. I mean, I got to mark my tools. Yeah, something simple. Cardboard and outlines, right? Something simple, quick, not expensive, not, not time consuming. So we started doing that. And little by little, we started weaving in this concept of visuals and sustainment. And then as we keep doing this, it gets better and it starts to catch in the shop and people realize they like being able to walk over and find what they need. And they kind of like having a clean shop. And then the last piece of my learning to this, to this discussion came into, into focus for me. I often talk about this process. It's like looking through a a set of binoculars and you kind of focus it and the picture's kind of blurry, but it gets sharper and sharper and sharper. And this was a moment where my my vision sharpened. We had some new techs come in. Now at this point, the shop's pretty clean and it's got visual support. We had a couple new techs come in. All the tools they need are visualized. All the supplies they need are visualized. Here's a truck that's broken. They came in with a technical background, but they had no specific Raymond training. No specific Raymond skills. Here, go fix the forklift. Mm. Well, I, I don't. I don't know how yet. I haven't been trained yet. Oh, so this is where that concept we talked about last time: workplace readiness. So we gravitate towards get the tools and supplies in the area, right? 
So this is the first time it dawns on me. Workplace readiness really means the knowledge, skills, and experience of the people. Because no matter how great I set those tools up, and no matter how I've got all those supplies ready, if I put someone that doesn't know what to do and, and how to use those things, they cannot get that repair completed. Right. So I'm like, oh, this is, this is fascinating. So then I, it occurred to me for the first time, 5S is not housekeeping. Mm-hmm. It starts as housekeeping, but it's really about workplace readiness. Right. It may look like housekeeping. Yeah. It does. It, it, you, you get that clean area and you get those before and after and it's, oh, it's pretty and it's organized. But why do we have it clean and why do we have it organized? Right. It's about executing for the customer a better experience because we're trying to get to, to deliver things on time, defect free. And the way we do that is have the tools and the supplies there, but also the knowledge, skills, and experience of our people. So that's the first time that it really dawned on me that this was this that foundation of the system. When you talk about this as a system that comes together, the right. foundation of that system is a ready workplace. Right. And the visuals are part of it. And the clean organization is part of it. But the bigger piece is your people. And then know why it's clean and organized. Because you just tell them to clean up, guess what? Mm-hmm. Mark, I get a lot of pushback on that. <laughs> they don't want them to clean up. But once they realize cleaning up helps make their work easier, that's, that's the magic of the fifth S, the sustain piece, yep. right? If people know this stuff works, they'll do it. And that, then it becomes cultural. And when it's cultural, it sustains. Until it's cultural, you're going to fight with it. Mm-hmm. So, so I spent a lot of time and effort cleaning up shops. And yeah. if anybody has a big area and they say, well, I'm going to start my continuous improvement. I'm going to, I'm going to do a big cleanup. Don't do that. I mean, you can. And then maybe it's, if it's good learning, then it's value-add time. But I can tell you from experience, it's not going to work. <laughs> so there's a lot. So thank you for that. I mean, it's a really kind of rich story. And I think there's a lot to unpack. I mean, I took some notes. There are, I think, different types of mistakes. So one, I think, as you summarize at the end, there's a mistake of misunderstanding what a business concept is about. And in this case, it's about, you know, 5S as part of the Toyota production system. It could be other new things that are adopted in a workplace. Sometimes we we misunderstand and then we learn through experience. So my so my follow-up question um, for you, Keith, is you know, you're talking about repeating that mistake. Uh, you know, people learning that, well, there is value in marking where our tools go. Is that a, is that a quote unquote mistake? Is that a learning that each and every team had to go through on its own? for them to really embrace this? Was it really, you, you almost framed it as a mistake. Was it, was it a mistake or is that necessary learning? Well, that's a great question, Mark. And, and this is where, you know, I continue my learning journey as well in this all the time, you know, as you, you and I both know, it's never ending. And one of the things I found is one day I found myself coaching. We coach on take waste out of the process, right? So one day I was watching another trainer, um, give the, we had an exercise in front of some people and the trainer was giving the answer to the people. And I stopped the trainer. And I said, Hey, you're, you're giving them the answer. And they said, yeah, but they're not getting it. I said, yes. And I heard, my, and it never had crossed my mind that, that I'd realize this. I said, yes, but if the struggle adds value, mm-hmm. it's not waste because mm-hmm. we call waste non-value add, right? But if the struggle adds value in the form of I've learned, it's not waste. By definition, it's not waste. 
So I think you bring up a great point. We, this is kind of like learning to ride a bicycle. I can show you PowerPoints. I can ride the bicycle around for somebody else, but until you get on it yourself, yeah. you don't get it. You don't get it. A lot of the systems the same, the same way in my experience, you know, I can tell people, Oh yeah, I have a clean organized place. will make your, your easier. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I don't get a lot of pushback on that, but I get pushback on the effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing is they'll go bananas with visuals. You know, they'll go from no visuals to, you know, visualize everything outline where the stapler on your desk is if you're the only one using that stapler you don't you don't need that you know i know where that goes if you open your drawer and there's there's pins in a you know a little uh, slot that are laying there i maybe don't need to know that's the pin slot because it's it's rather obvious mm-hmm. so yeah. so yeah there's there's always learning with it but workplace readiness is 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 what we're really trying to get to mm-hmm. and in, in your story you also talked about maybe we can talk more generally about what, what I heard you describe as the mistake of blaming individuals for what might be a systemic problem. We say, well, yep. you know, they're being messy, they're being disrespectful. But as, as I heard you say, you know, um, the structures hadn't been put in place for them to be able to um, respect, um, you know, I think of like a parking lot example. When there are lines painted, generally speaking, people will park between the lines. Now, if we had a parking lot that was completely unpainted, it might be easy to come out and be judgmental of like, well, look at that, that driver, they're a jerk. They parked too far away from the other cars, but without lines, how would they really know? Right. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, parking lot's a great example because it's, a, it's one of those standards we see and haven't we all complained about that person either gets to or over the line and I could park there if they had moved over a few inches. Right. Yeah. So there's there becomes that and hopefully positive peer pressure, but you're right. It's it, another piece of that culture is is allowing people to learn from mistakes, mm-hmm. and that's sometimes difficult because it's like that trainer, you know, I, I've got to give them the answer. They're not getting it. They they've got to work through it, and and if it doesn't come to them through their own conclusion, it, it won't stay. And if they do it wrong, they're going to remember it. You know, you and I, I think, agree that mistakes are great teachers. <laughs> you know, mistakes are like, oh, I did that wrong. Now it sticks. If I happen to get it right the first time, I might have just gotten lucky. I might not have learned nearly as much. So. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, one of the themes of uh, the podcast series here in general is, um, you know, we, we, we all make mistakes. Hopefully we're learning from them. And that yes. requires at some point a cycle of personal reflection or a coach or somebody prompting us to think about how things went and um, did it go the way we expected? If not, what do we learn from that? How do we adjust? So can you talk a little bit more about that culture, either at um, Toyota or within Raymond Corporation as part of um, the the Toyota family tree? How, How do you create a culture where it's okay to talk openly about mistakes and to reflect and to make sure that we're learning from them instead of hiding and covering up the mistakes. So then it ends up just getting repeated. Well, that's a great question, Mark. And, and to start off first, I'll say it's a lot of work, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of work. That's well worth it. If you can get people to open up and, and I've had this conversation with a lot of trainers and coaches over the years, my best guess is we're taught even from young to hide mistakes. Cause we get blamed, we get blamed for them. Mm-hmm. You know, if you found a mistake or you must be the one that made the mistake, not necessarily, so we have this uh, process of unlearning and, and we teach that mistakes are positive. In fact, sometimes 
in some areas of the business, we, we refer to them as treasures mm-hmm. just to get people to embrace finding them and bringing them out. Because ultimately, we can't fix a problem that we cannot find. If we can't find that problem, we sure can't fix it. And as well, that sounds obvious. It's, it's not because people don't want to bring it to attention because they had bad experience bringing problems to light. Right. So you have to reinforce and you have to have a lot of buy-in from your leadership that mistakes are okay. And that's a positive thing. You know, in service business, as an example, you know, we focus on what's broken. And so it tends to be a negative focus because that's our value add, right? We fix the broken. So we're always looking at the broken, you know? So it gives, can give a negative bent. These concepts apply to any kind of business. So let's talk about workplace readiness. doesn't matter what you do. If you're, a, if you're a dentist, if you're a chef, it doesn't matter whatever your customer needs. Having that workplace ready is going to help you. Now, the details and particulars of a workplace, including the knowledge, skills, and experience of the person is going to change from, from service and product. But the general concept is really important. So the culture becomes the driving piece. It's important to serve my customer. How do I do that better? And starting to remove uh, mistakes and problems from that customer experience, it, it, it takes a lot of work and effort. Mm-hmm. And companies that learn to do it well, you know, it's like they just skyrocket past com- competitors. So is it worth it? I'd say it is. <laughs> so it seems like, you know, there are different categories of some of these mistakes. There are mistakes of understanding or misunderstanding mistakes of bad assumptions like you mentioned earlier the assumption of well we all know what our tools and supplies are and we all know where they go that was discovered to be a bad assumption and there was learning and improvement that came from it and then you know the that um you know the other thing that stands out just kind of trying to summarize and repeat back what you were saying this idea of um working through it on their own. Like I, I, I would kind of agree that maybe that's not a mistake, that that's a necessary process. Um, it's the difference between, you know, giving a fish versus teaching somebody how to fish and yes. learning to fish, not just by looking at a PowerPoint slide <laughs> yes. or a video on fishing, that, that yeah. working through it on their own um, may, may very well be necessary, or as you put it, <clears throat> value add. It makes me think of, the Toyotaism of um, go slow to go fast, um, or yes. maybe a, make up a variation. Go s- sometimes going slower means you have better sustainment and long run you're more effective. Is that fair to say? It it is, and and there's a lot of things that kind of go into that. So so when you rush to do a quick uh, re- repair of something, a lot of times you're you're attacking a symptom and not the root cause, mm-hmm. right? So, so you'll put a bandage over something and you're like, oh, that's good enough. But you haven't really considered the problem deeply enough. And, and it turns out you didn't, you didn't resolve it. You know, a, pro- a problem well-defined is a problem, you know, half solved. Mm-hmm. So we tend, to, we tend to work at a really quick pace. So it becomes counterintuitive that slowing down is better. Um, when we teach uh, plan, do, check, act, or, you know, we talked a little bit about that last time, but when we teach that more planning helps reduce the overall time because your, 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 your execution smoother, your check and your uh, act or your adjustment time is shorter. So it, it, but planning doesn't always feel like doing. And so we want to rush into do and we don't have a really good plan yet. So 
it takes a deliberate effort to be able to, to engage that culture and that thinking. And it takes some practice. You got to build it into a habit. Sure. So that's a great point. And, you know, to, to wrap up um, a little bit, Keith, you, you talk about helping others and, you know, the Raymond corporation and, and you and others there are um, helping others by making resources available, free resources yeah. that others can learn from. Tell us a little bit about that. And to the, to the audience, I'll make sure we have links to these resources in the show notes and the, uh, the webpage for this episode. But Keith, can you talk about some of the things that you have um, that, that others can go and learn from? Absolutely. So a lot of our material and continuous improvement, we do white papers and we do uh, various published works that we put out there and available. And, and a lot of this, this comes from learning internally first, not so much helping customers, but it evolves into being able to help customers and talk to them and things like um, one of the things we talk about, we have a lot of automated solutions and automated solutions are great, but uh, we actually uh, talk about optimize before you automate. Mm-hmm. And we want you to look at your processes before you start throwing equipment solutions at it. So you get the right solution. And it's that, it's that slow down uh, piece that you're talking about. We have solutions that will speed things up. But if the process is making a lot of defects, yeah. we just sped up your defect rate and you're going to have a bad experience. So we try to put things out there that we've learned and we've done in our network. It's been learning for us because um, – we, we adopted the Toyota production system. We weren't, we weren't born into it like a lot of Toyota companies. So while we were fertile soil for that to grow, that culture of innovation was there. It, it helped us be more structured and more methodical about it and helped speed that process up, to your point, by slowing down and being more deliberate. So we've put a lot of resources out there, and, and a lot of times we can be a coach, and we're willing to share experience uh, uh, with, with certainly with our customers of where we've struggled and what we've learned. And we're trying to put more and more uh, white paper material and published works out there to share because it's, it's a journey that's uh, fun to take, and, and we want other people to take it with us because that makes healthy uh, companies, and we want to deal with healthy companies too, right? We all want to be good and, and successful. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for that. And, and again, you know, the, the quick tip series and other white papers and resources, um, I'll make sure those are available. Um, so again, our guest has been Keith Ingalls from uh, the Raymond Corporation. He is the, uh, the TPS manager. And again, this might be new uh, to some, the Toyota production system as uh, being part of what Keith has been um, talking about embracing and, and building there at Raymond. So Keith, um, thank you so much for, for sharing you know, your story and your reflections. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. I enjoyed it. Again, I want to thank our guest, Keith Ingalls, for being here. I want to also thank the Raymond Corporation for making Keith available to share his insights and stories and advice with us. For show notes, links, and more, again, you can go to markgraben.com slash mistake62. And I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes and how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they've started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work, and they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me my favorite mistake podcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.